Equity work is framed as a necessary burden, but we believe that it's work worth doing. This podcast is all about how to reframe equity work from just fighting injustice to building worth that brings justice, meeting the needs of everyone. Worth, worth. Desmond Spann, a.k.a. Deluxe Delight, getting right on the mic, teaching life with that worth, worth. The imaginer, genius awakener, educator in the art of contemplating worth, worth. Podcast for teachers in the class to focus on the heart of the craft. Worth, worth. Reframe from the blame and the shame and the pain and disdain because we gain from that. What's good, people? Welcome to the Worth Work Podcast. I am Desmond Spann, and I'm glad you're here tuning in, listening. Today, this episode, Jesse and I end up debriefing a, an experience that I had uh, at my school that I teach uh, in February 2022 that kind of triggered my trauma with racism and the culture and we end up discussing practices that I use to be able to respond the way I responded in that moment as well as maintain you know my sanity my health my well-being while being in um, the system so let's relax let's sit back and let's get into it all right so worth work practices that's what we're talking about what comes up for you when you think of a worth work practice if we had to mm. define it for somebody like- yeah 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 uh well i think of the worth you know tapping into that personal definition mm-hmm. of practicing knowing the unfolding of ourselves like the complexities of ourselves embracing our whole selves so that we can embrace the other because in a quantum sense it's like you are my other me mm-hmm. and that comes from the in Lakesh poem that ancient Mayan concept, but it's like, we're all connected. So it's just like practicing that connection, practicing our humanity. Yeah. What comes up for you in the, as a worth work practice? This might be a good time to tell this story about like how a lot of this is about reframing equity work. Mm-hmm. And I looked at equity and I looked at, you know, other words for equity and worth was one of them. And then mm-hmm. from our research doing um, the interviews, and just lived experience as teachers, yeah. there was a lot of folks dealing with shame. Yes. Lack of self-worth, mm-hmm. which created all types of ways that their pain is manifesting in the classroom and in our systems. Mm. The idea of worth is, you know, connected to your definition, right? About kind of connecting back to that sense of self-worth, mm-hmm. that value that we just innately have by being here and then being here another day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to say whatever folks decide to believe in, there's no guarantee we see the next day. And so every time that we see the next day, there's something that decides that we're worthy of seeing another day. Yes. Without having to do anything, mm. right? So if we can kind of stay connected to that, then... We don't fall victim to the ways that we convince ourselves or have been convinced that, you know, we're not enough. Yes. Right. So there's the worth piece. And then there's the practice piece, which is about not just showing up to do the work when the work is needed, but practicing the skills that you need in order to be able to do the work. Mm. This kind of work, it's continuous. It's daily. And there are times when things just happen that everybody is activated and feeling their emotions and ready to defend and attack that we can lose the human connection 
Yes. And trying to protect our sense of self. And we need to be practicing the skills that help us maintain human connection while we deal with the challenges that we're in as we try to meet everybody's needs in a system. Yes. So that's that's kind of what uh, comes to mind. So a worth work practice is something that you create for yourself to deliberately to practice internal skills. So when it's when it's no longer a drill, yeah, <laughs> it's it's you're ready to you're ready to act. No doubt, because life is gonna bring us challenges inevitably. Right. One thing I think about too is like as human beings, we're here to evolve. Yeah. Life is evolving constantly around us and it's inviting us to into that process, that transformation, those metamorphoses. And really the way I see it, like I've experimented with different like practices over the last 15, 20 years, you know, spiritual practices, communal practices. Something in me wants to change, to evolve. I see a vision, I read something in a book, I hear a speaker, I hear an idea, a concept, like right now we're in a, in worth work. The vision is to create a world where everyone is having access to everything they need to live their highest selves. Mm-hmm. You know, in our context, eradicating white body supremacy. So everyone, we're living in this like ideal type of situation where we can overcome challenges mm-hmm. together. So it's like, okay, we need practices to evolve. Some have been passed down from our ancestors. And then we also need to develop and and expand our own new practices to adapt to like the technology and all the, what our times are calling for. Right. Right. hundred percent. And having the, you know, skill set to adapt, which Mm -hmm. uh, may not be present if you know, you're not, if you don't have a creative uh, practice. I was just thinking that as artists. Yeah. You know, that's the other piece that kind of comes in is like, we are attempting to create something new that hasn't really been a part of, definitely not a part of our lifetime. And, you know, there's some people that dive into the history of mankind and get into how we've, you know, it makes sense. Humans have always been dealing with the human condition. (laughs) So what we're trying to do is find a way to deal with the human condition together. Yes. Right. And not in these isolated groups that we would call tribes, political identities, like all all Mm -hmm. the ways that Mm -hmm. we do the us versus them, understanding that at the core, there's only us. And then there's degrees, depending on the kind of relationships will depend on like the type of interactions that you have with people. Yes. And that human condition that you're talking about, pain is there. Yes. It's inevitable. It's coming. It's here. It's it's in our DNA. Mm-hmm. And I see these practices as ways to like deal with this pain. Like Resma Menekin would say, clean pain right. over dirty pain. That pain's going to be expressed somehow. Our practices help us express it in productive ways, in ways that bring connection. Whereas like the dirty pain is going to be more on that self-preservation, protective, you're the enemy, I got to, you know, either fight, flight, freeze, fawn, you know, protect myself. Whereas like with that worth work, what we're trying to do here, build that human connection in the context of the institution of of school and education. You know, how can we, how can we bring the humanity into the classroom um, despite all of the 
obstacles that we face on the daily. Yeah. And that might be a good segue into mm-hmm. a story that can highlight how to uh, channel that pain and what, what the, the value of having practices. Yeah. Yeah, because when you said about like how to bring humanity into it, and I think the simple answer is allowing our stories to be um, heard and told in community, in our classes, and fellowship, another good word, just mm-hmm. organizations, just where a group of people gather to attempt to do something, we ought to hear everyone's story. And so my story, and it's, this is not like my... Um, you know, life story, anything like that. It's a story that really relates to me having good worth work practices and how like, because I had them and I've been using them and practiced them that I was able to um, respond the way I responded. So the day after Valentine's Day. 2022. 2022. And I think that's right. It's the Tuesday after Valentine's Day for sure. I don't know if it's 15 or 14 or whatever. It's 15, yeah. During my first period class, or the first period of the day, it was actually period five, but we do a block schedule. A colleague who I share a room with on the A day, so this would be periods one through four, informs me that a racial slur was written on one of the desks in the room that we share. So this is like a room across the hall from where I teach on B days, which is five, six, and eight. So I hear that information. I'm like, okay, you know, so probably going to have to have a conversation with all my, with my one class in that room, by the way, just to, you know, set that up, have a conversation with them that it happened, you know, and, you know, it's my hip hop lit class. So I don't really think anybody in my class would do it. It's also seniors. It's so it's a little bit, you know, we, we don't have that kind of vibe in a classroom where somebody was angry with me or just wanted to act out like that's what they would do. Like, like a little bit beyond that at that age. So I find out that it's a, you know, racial slur. I didn't see the image. I don't know what it is. And then around lunchtime, check in with a, a colleague and friend, Miss uh, Juju Palmer, aka Julie Palmer. I let her know what happened. Um, oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I just realized this. Let me back that up. So after my colleague lets me know that there's a racial slur written, I actually, I get kind of curious and I actually go try to track the colleague down just to ask like a quick question about like, where was it or what happened? She was not there, but the third person that shares this room was in there. And he let me know what desk it was on. And then he also let me know that he took a picture of what was actually you know, on the desk. And I was like, all right, well, cool. I'll, you know, want to see it at some point, but I don't need to see it right now because we're both like in the middle of class. So then lunch c- comes and then I forget my lunch. And uh, so I'm like, okay, maybe it's in my car. So on my way out to the car, I see Julie Palmer and we, uh, you know, kind of connect real quick. I'm telling her I'm about to get my lunch. I let her know about what happened. And then she texts my colleagues to, you know, try to offer support. And then they send the image to her. And then I then see what was actually written on the desk. And, you know, I guess the most important part, like it was a, a, a like an Among Us drawing, you know, the game Among Us. And I had the word uh, sussy, which from my, I had to like double check, but it basically just means suspect. So kids are saying that, you know, you sus, you know, for various reasons. And then I had the second word and the second word was the racial slur that rhymes with bigger. That's, that was the word that was written there, right? 
So I see it. I'm like, okay, all right, that's what that was. And it's like, all right, hmm. So I go, you know, get my lunch, walk to like the Green Zebra and pick up something. I'm processing things, you know, what was written. I'm processing, like I saw a former student on my way out there, processing how I can reconnect with the student. And I go get my lunch, walk back to my prep period, period seven. And I just start like, it's like, okay, let me go try to prep. It's like, well, no, I can't because this this is on my mind now. Mm-hmm. So now I'm just like, you know, processing like who could have been and, you know, and all the, all the assumptions and, and things. And I was thinking about, okay, like, what should we do? You know, like, yes. Okay. I have conversations with our class individually, but it was like, this keeps happening because it happened earlier in the year. Uh, like there, I guess there were like two incidences of like uh, vandalism and, you know, racial slurs uh, in a uh, colleague's room. A good friend of mine too, and so it was just like, dang, like we're just we're just gonna do it again. We're just gonna like sweep it under the rug, you know. Like we'll try to take care of it in our room, and then that's it. And I was like, that doesn't seem right. And so I'm kind of going on and on, um, and then the uh, teacher who I met with during that morning period, the fifth period, we we didn't necessarily share prep, but he he was on his. Um, he had, like they have a the student success team during that time, so he usually comes back a little bit early, but so he can prep for the next time. And since he was there, he took the picture. You know, I check in with him, see how what's coming up for him. He checks in with me, and then it's like we start getting into the conversation, and we were kind of thinking about okay, what to do, how to go about it, and it got to a point where I said because I didn't want to let it just go under the rug, right? Like just kind of go away. And it got to a point where I said like. The human part of me wants to go and have a conversation with the other classes that are in that room. The teacher part of me is hesitant to do so. And it was in that moment where I realized, oh, I'm a human before I'm a teacher. And so I, I, I experienced the dehumanization that was happening. Not, I guess, by the word, by me seeing the word, right? And just also just the context that we're in, right? The culture that we're in. So that that's happening, that dehumanization. And then eighth period bell rings. And I start grabbing my stuff and get ready to go teach. And then I feel I feel like the, the just like the pressure rising and I feel like the energy rising within me and like I feel just like, oh shoot, I'm I'm just about to scream right now. Mm. Like I, I, I got to get out of here. I need, I need a moment to collect myself. I find, again, <laughs> another colleague. I don't know. I'm using some names and some names I'm not using. Yeah. I don't know why, but it's just, <laughs> that's just how I'm telling the story it right now. what it is. Right? Find another colleague and say, hey, can you cover my class for me for like maybe 15, you know, 20 minutes? And the way I'm asking, it's like, Tears in my eyes, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I could barely even get the words out. It's like, you know, okay, you got, like I'm mm. speaking from that, like holding back something kind of voice. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so no questions. Um, she jumps in, covers the class. They do, you know, we start with SSR, uh, sustained silent reading, and then I just take off, like 
just down the stairs, out to the front courtyard, and I, and I just I'm just walking. I do a couple laps around like our little front court, court kind of main uh, courtyard area in Franklin. I have just like convulsions in my body. I'm like randomly, I'll just like punch my hand, you know, like rapid times, like da da da, like mm-hmm. and like re- like as hard as apparently I can do, mm-hmm. right? And I'm just like. I, I don't know where to go. I'm like, I'm just searching for a safe space. Like, wh- where can I go? Mm. And then I go by Ms. Palmer's office. Uh, she's not there. I think about going to the principal's office, who used to be a mentor to me in high school. Mm. Um, and I don't stop there because I'm like, oh, he's principal. He's busy, right? Like, I can't, mm. you know. I know he would be there, but, you know, he's he could be doing something. Um, then I head to the counseling offices because I'm thinking like maybe they'll just have some space or something that I could just like you know punch or if I can't and if I even if I can't find anybody there maybe I'll just go out to the track run a lap or maybe mm-hmm. a jump rope like I just needed to like yeah. get it out of my body um and so I end up in Mr. Triplett's office who's a counselor there uh black male co- counselor and you know I kind of let it go and mm-hmm. do my cries and explain yeah. what's going on and process with them and gather myself and then uh, I head back to class and I go back into class and then I instantly, because it's like, this just happened and they didn't see me. Like I knew I had to address it with them. Mm. Right. And I couldn't keep it in. So I just, I just told them the story essentially like, like just after I lived it. Mm. Right. And I was just real honest, raw. We circled up. I think I cried in front of him, mm-hmm. right? Like it was just, you know, as real as I could be. So we had that conversation. Um, class ends. And then I'm like, okay, thinking about the work and thinking about how racism thrives in the shadows, part of me knew like, okay, this story needs to get out. But it's also my story. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it should go out or not. And so without really thinking too much about it, I just like go to my computer, turn on my camera, and then I tell the story of this experience. So I live the story. (laughs) Then I come back and I tell the story immediately to my students while I'm still in all the emotions of it. And then I record a video of me telling the story because... I didn't know if I would be able to like keep telling it. And I knew that people don't really see the impact of these kind of things. Right. All right. So that was all February 15th, 2022. Six days ago. Yeah. Six days ago from when we're recording this. I send the video out to my people in the building. Right. So essentially just all the folks that we've, that I've done the work with. The next day. No, that day. That day. Like after okay. I did it, I was yeah. like, hey, what do y'all think? Like, should, should people see this? And then they get feedback to me like, yeah, I think people, you know, they, they thank me for doing it and my vulnerability and courage and all that stuff. And like, yeah, like I think people need to, to see it. Keep in mind, Wednesday was the day we were doing Franklin Talks, which is just like a, a day that we all talk about race. Like trying to normalize that conversation. Keep in mind that when we do these Franklin Talks... There are subs requested by reliable 
people to request subs. You get what I'm saying? I feel like you. they're like it's because it's Franklin Talks. They're like I'm get a sub in that day. That's the context that you know this was all happening in. My people think I should send it. Uh, so I, then I then start sharing it with my classes because it's like, well, I told the story to one class. I can't either. I'm going to share the story with them or I'm going to like, you know, kind of quit in a way. Yeah. Right. Because I would have to like choke it down. And it's like, nope, I can't do that. Body wouldn't let me do that. So um, I shared a video with all the classes. I couldn't, I still haven't rewatched the video mm. to this day. Uh and maybe I will, you know, at some point, but I, so like I would turn the video on and then like hang on in the hall while they watched it and then come back in and then, you know, circle up and I would try to teach. I wasn't a hundred percent to be teaching, but you know, I was just myself, right? I was relying on, again, all the work I did to just make sure I'm speaking uh, from the right place. I'm also relying on the work of just building the relationships with the students for, for them to hold this space, you know, in some way for me. Um, and so I do this with all my classes. So then that's all day Wednesday on top of the Franklin talks, which was just Mr. Span talks for our, our group. <laughs> like, cause that, that's all we're processing that. Then at the end of the day, Wednesday, I'm like, all right, well, based on these conversations with students, they say they don't talk about this stuff enough. They say that it's like always in the bathrooms, it's in the halls, it's not just at Franklin. It's like, okay, well, apparently people need to be talking about this. So I'm going to go ahead and send it to all staff. And so I send it to all staff Thursday. I finish my periods five and six. You know, they just had a normal period. But now I got to give them, you know, just they need to know this story about me before we kind of move forward. So I do that with them. Period eight, I kind of pivot back to some kind of teaching a little bit. Uh, and then Friday, like it's it's been out. Teachers are showing it kind of together doing like this second period on, the, on that Friday. And uh, a whole bunch of um, emails are coming in, right? And I, this is where we kind of get into kind of like one of my main takeaways from this is a lot of emails coming into me and even letters. I think I have some in my bag. I haven't even finished reading. Um, you know, thank you for your video, you know, your vulnerability. It's inspiring. You're courageous. Um, you know, just, just all these things of just kind of like showering me with like attributes that uh, they think that my action represented. And in the video, one of the attributes was, you know, those create, you know, courage, sure, right? Just telling my story. But then compassion was another one, right? Having compassion for the person who did it because uh, I didn't care who it was. Still don't care, right? Because my whole thing in that video and my whole reason even doing all this work is that the dehumanization didn't come from the student. The dehumanization came from the culture. Like that's already a part of the culture of racism, right? So that was just the triggering point to really feel and connect to that. And me knowing that, 
yeah, that's the thing I want to change. Right? Because if I didn't feel dehumanized in that moment, nothing really sparks off. It's just like, all right, that's, you don't do that. That's, you know, like there's that aspect of it too, but not the, um, uh, not the culture piece. And I think we get so lost trying to get to the individual, hold the individual accountable, that the culture just remains. So that's my story in a, I don't know how long of a, it's a long nutshell. (laughs) (laughs) Now let's take two bars. Breathe, align, relax, and shine. This is an invitation to absorb whatever's coming up for you. So let's start with the breath. Long, deep, spacious breaths. your energy come into a state of equilibrium of balance and relax my friend wherever you feel tension just bring relaxation shoulders, the jaw, the body, the thoughts, the emotions. Take a moment to relax. And with our breath, our alignment, our relaxation, can't help but shine own your shine my friend well I just want to rub my hands together as a way to uh honor and appreciate that story and I know you like share with me that video I think the day it happened and it, it hit me like I, I was in my feelings feeling your feelings mm-hmm. and just being like dang I felt that just the raw humanity of it how did it feel just to because to, you probably told this story probably what it sounds like a half dozen to a dozen times over those past six days yeah how does it feel like Six days out, okay. Yeah. Are all the emotions still intact with it? Or like, do you still feel it in your body when you shared it? Or do you? A little less so uh, now. Um, I mean, now that I'm telling and I'm also thinking about like storytelling, mm-hmm. you know, like the pieces to say in and, in and out and um, versus, you know, just what I was doing was just like speaking from it, right? Yeah. Thinking about what's important to know, not 
not to know. So I'm getting a distance from it. There is some resolution in a sense of like the student who actually did it came forward to me and we had a conversation. Mm. And, you know, like when I say I really didn't care like about who it was, like, you know, when that student showed up, I was just like, okay, cool. Thank you for doing this. And, you know, I think the thing I can might be able to provide and maybe what you could even provide for me to be able to provide to others is just some understanding because a lot of people were asking like, why? Yeah. Right. The short of it was just like teenage kid doing something he thought would be funny. Right. As simple as that. Right. But what he actually chose. And I mean, when I say it rhymes with bigger, like it's it's a perfect rhyme. Like what the word mm-hmm. that was written on there. Right. It's not the it's not big. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. With mm-hmm. the A where there, there's a little bit of a subtlety of like, you know, how p- different people use that version of the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, ver- the word that he wrote was the ER version, right? So that helped for me to have like some closure on that side of it. And it gives me more reason to focus on changing the culture. Right, because if I had some bitterness towards a student, right, then my focus would be trying to hold them accountable. But since I don't, you know, the student has their own journey that they need to do and work through and think about that because, you know, it's most of the school knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll know. They may not know who the student is, but they know that this happened. So, like... Yeah. You're gonna keep hearing some remnants of this event, which you know, that's what I want because we can't change racism as it hides. We can't change the aspects of the culture that hide from us. No doubt. And was it a white student or a student of color and like what factor does that play in the Yeah, when I was telling the story and you know, throughout the week, one student didn't ask would I feel any different if it was a student of color? And the answer is no. Because I think about an incident earlier in the year where I literally saw a student of color, not in the context of just like even talking to anybody, just like top of their lungs in the hall while folks are like working, just saying that word. And it's just like, dude, why are you doing Like, no. So to answer the question, right? You know, I, I almost don't want to answer the question. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know why? Tell me. Because I wonder what people assume. Right. You know, like I I know, right? And what would you assume? You know, we know it's a male because I said he, right? But what, what, what race would you assume based on that particular word being written down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And, and then what if you're wrong? Exactly. Right? What is what what is that? Yeah. Show you about yourself. Yeah. I mean, I'll just share what comes up for me and then yeah. you can and then we could process that. For me, it's like, oh, if a white kid did it, that's even a bigger deal mm-hmm. because that's just something as a white person we just don't say because right. of the history, because of the charge that, that word has. Mm-hmm. Like there's not there's not a pass. Right, you know, 
Whereas like the nuance of the A and the ER is more the, ter- is it a term of endearment? And I've seen like, there's documentaries dedicated to dissecting that. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, no, I think, um, and in a related incident to this, because it was this week, um, you know, a white colleague basically said the word. In repeating your story? I th- I don't know if it was in repeating my story or like repeating a, like a, a story that they had where that word was said, right? So they said it and telling their story. And then I had some of those students in my class and they're like, nah, that ain't cool. Yeah. The way that it landed, oh. right? Yeah. And I always want to be 100% clear about this. I agree. And what's the difference? Why is it different? Mm-hmm. You know, not because I, you know, disagree in any way, but asking why is it different so that there's opportunity to call folks into conversation about what needs to be developed before you can even have uh, an academic license to say that word. Right. And maybe you never do. Maybe you never give yourself that. But I would say like somebody asked me like, uh, you know, if somebody I knew that was white said that word to me, how would I respond? Everybody that I know that is white, that would be saying that word to me. It would be in a context of this kind of conversation. Yeah. Right. It wouldn't necessarily just be like, what up? Like, I don't know, I don't have anybody in my life like that. But for me, personally, and because I center human connection, which is, depending on the context and how it happened, if there were any type of hurt feelings for me in that moment, I would be able to bring it up with that person and not cut the relationship and be like, Hey, I don't know. I don't know about that. Like I get what you were doing, but I don't know mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. Right. It could also be where like, there's enough of the relationship built. There's enough of the context being mentioned and they could be just repeating like what was actually said in the song or whatever. Right. And i and when I heard it from that person at that given time, I may not feel any type of way about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Because it's really based on the relationship between me and that other person. As a policy hand down, I don't, if you don't have the relationship, you don't take that risk. Yeah. And I think for that teacher, there's a misjudgment of that relationship or even at that moment. Because even if you have the relationship, there could be some moments where it's just like, nah. Right? Yep. And... And here's where it becomes about culture, where if we don't develop ways to call in these moments when they happen, share our stories when they happen, then what happens? That stu- Those students feel hurt. They cancel the teacher. Yeah. Right? They may still be present and yeah. get the work done. To protect but themselves. Protect themselves, right? Or even stop showing up. It's mm-hmm. like, boom, done. Yeah. They move on from the class, teacher remains. 
teacher never gets the feedback. Teacher never knows that yeah. how their words impacted them. And we could say they, you know, should have known, but then that's when we're getting into the language of shame at that point. Mm-hmm. Because we're, we're trying to get somebody to go back to change the past. Mm. And nobody can do that. Mm. Oh, but at the same time, own your impact. Right. Own your impact. Also, if you know it's an impact. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, true, true. Right? Because so, sometimes you don't know. Right? Now, again, this is not me excusing it. And this is where, yeah. like, again, I kind of get in my tender space around this because it's not, you know, hands down, 100%. I don't think white folks should say it. Yeah. Right? And I don't think we cancel relationships and connection just because white folks say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's going to be a very um, relationship-based thing. Des, you know what I'm thinking about? What? A decade ago in the Cypher at Franklin, mm-hmm. one, a student, dope, freestyle rapper, Latino cat, drops the N-word. Yeah. And then an advocate, a good friend of ours, in the cipher, in rhyme, checks him on it. Yeah. And says, basically, here's why I don't, that doesn't fly with me. Check it. Here's the philosophy. You know, breaks it down. Right. In the cipher. Yeah. Exchanging knowledge and story. I, I never heard, you know, that, that kid say the N word again. He might have kept using it. Mm hmm. And that's, you know, we're in the, in hip hop and the culture and the music we listen to, it's prevalent. Yeah. And that's a whole nother thing, you know, it's just if you're repeating a rapper's lyrics, you still shouldn't say it, you know? Right. If you're a white person, especially. But like, anyway, that's an example that just came to mind of like, oh, that's a way to deal with it. Yeah. Don't lose the human connection, but you're checked on it. Right. You're called in. You're still in the cypher. Right. But if if you have that knowledge after that and he still use it, then it's like, bro. Yeah, there's there's a different there's you know, now now we're getting into different territory, right? And if you can't uh allow yourself to get checked when you misstep, when you when you make a mistake. Yes. Right? Then what else is going on for you? Mm-hmm. Right? That you're so I'm going to say disconnected from a sense of humanity that allows you to justify the hurt mm. that you caused. Yes. Because that, that's what you end up doing in yeah. that moment, right? And that kind of segues into just talking again about the practices. So yeah. like how did your worth work practices play into how you responded, how you like let yourself feel it in your body. You let yourself feel the emotion in front of people. You let yourself cry. You found someone to process it with. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so all the things that I believe to be true and of experience kind of came up in that moment, right? Like, so prior to this, I had a uh, anger release that allowed me to feel just lighter, lighter in my body. Mm. And with that lightness, it was like, oh man, there's there's a lot of things that I was fearing and things like that that was like didn't have that same level. I, yeah, like I just wasn't as sensitive to when I had that anger release. Things that are unrelated, but it's just like mm. crazy. 
I don't want to go back to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I just realized, you know, as a sensitive person, um, I was holding a lot in and holding, uh, holding out a lot of a burden. And so when I released that, I was like, oh, this is what lightness feels like. Mm. So I learned that. And then all the other studying that I've done about just emotions in the body and it's like how things have to process through. And it's not just like you can get an intellectual understanding on it and you're all good. It's like, no, the body still needs to do what it needs to do. So I had that knowledge um, with me. So that's a practice of like continuously kind of seeking the knowledge that allows mm. you to um, heal. I also have the practice and then I guess the knowledge piece of just like for life and meaning can't escape pain, guilt or death. So when I've been feeling pain, uh, I, I'm able to accept it more. Okay, yeah. It doesn't feel any better per se, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I don't have this expectation that I'm not supposed to feel it if I feel it. You don't have to run from it. Right. I don't have to run from it. Or withdraw. Right. Like the only reason I didn't scream in front of the kids is because I know our culture wasn't in that place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? If, I was, if we were in if that place- felt, You might have just been like, ah. Yeah. And that might've been the end of it and been like, all right, you know, this would just happen and we yeah. might've chopped it up, yeah. you know, and maybe that would've been it. But, you know, we're not in that place. If I just screamed randomly in front of my kids, they put me on TikTok. <laughs> no doubt. You know, be like, that's crazy. And then you're going viral for a whole nother reason. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like instinctively, I knew that it wasn't safe for me to release there in that way. So, but I had to do something, right? Because again, I can't go backwards in my truth. Like once I once I know something to be true within me, it's too much cognitive dissonance to try to like act like it's not true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So either I'm going to be true to myself or I'm not. If I decide not to be okay, at least I make that decision. But I can't. I'm not going to go and do the whole like, yeah, you know, that's that's not true all the time, right? Like like that's that's so. Mm. There's that practice practice of seeking that knowledge. You know, Viktor Frankl's search for meaning, man's search for meaning. The reason why I even hold on to that is because of his story that's in that, right? Like he was going through, like he has every reason in the world, had every reason in the world to like have just, you know, straight up hate and animosity towards the folks that were trying to erase his kind from the earth, right? Holocaust and all that, but didn't cultivate that. And and then not cultivating that kind of resentment and that like lack of hope and things like he contributed to, that's how he made it through it. Mm. And so like- all these examples that we have in our story, in our collective stories as human beings of just like, when we face the hard stuff, that's when we get to the other side, we, mm. the strong, the strength, right? And so like, you know, the courage piece of it, where folks is like, oh, you're so courageous to do that, right? And I was in the video, like I say, I don't know if I'm going to share it. And I say that I'm scared and like all these things, because that's true. And I know it's important. And I know I can do it because I've developed the skills to communicate. I developed the skills to do hard things. I developed these skills like for the freestyling, like for the courage pieces through freestyling. Yes, freestyle rap. You know, I've I've developed the ability to step into the unknown, feel whatever I feel, and still continue to keep moving. And you don't do that when you absolutely need to without practicing a little bit. I like to have the presence of mind to be able to kind of keep my values intact. Like I didn't blame the kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because as hard as the job is... I make it harder on myself because it's like, no matter what's happening in the classroom, I'm thinking like, okay, what do I do? How do I change? How do I change the circumstances? How do I change the environment, change the plan? Like I'm always putting in on me to kind of come up with something different to try to keep folks engaged. Yes, students have a responsibility to act, but since I can't control what they do, 
it's going to be on me to create the environment and the experience, at least for them to have the opportunity to show me something different. Mm. Right. So I internalize that to a crazy degree, Hmm. uh, to a crazy degree of where like, again, there's, it makes my job harder because when it's not, you know, you think you did it right and you set up everything right. It it still doesn't land or still doesn't connect. And then kids like dealing with their own sense of pain are like disconnecting. Right. Yeah, man. Yeah. One thing that I'm connecting with these practices allowed you to choose humanity yeah. over what a teacher quote unquote should do. So you chose to be human, even though it's going to disrupt your schedule or disrupt <laughs> the learning curriculum, whatever it might've disrupted it, it needed, you chose humanity. And that is going to be an education that has a ripple effect out to whoever listens to this to all the students who you shared that with, mm. to the staff that you shared that with, to your community at Franklin who you shared that with, that's a learning that's like gonna have like a healing vibration to it. I can, yeah. I it already does have that healing vibration to it. Yeah, and that's that's worth work. That's why we're doing this. That's what I feel honored, blessed, as I'm feeling that mm-hmm. that healing vibe. Yeah, and that that would be the encouragement for to develop these practices is that we would as teachers. Mm-hmm. Or whatever your profession is, choose your humanity. Mm-hmm. Choose your humanity. And, you know, when I say like the core of what I do is about human connection, that's just a more tangible way of saying love. Yeah. Right. right. When you, but when you say love, right, it's kind of like, it's, it's, it's just too broad. It's too, it's too broad of an abstract concept to, you know, to like bring into spaces for people to like act on in a way uh, but I think human connection as a step to the tangibleness of it, because at the end of my exchange with anybody, I want to make sure that I can have the exchange again. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's still I tried my best and I'm willing to try my best again. Yeah. That you were saying earlier. Yeah. Like people often say I tried my best in with the intention of I can't do anymore. Mm. But doing these worth work practices and, and kind of taking this mindset on it's okay, not only did I try my best, I'm also developing my practices. I'm developing my empathy skills, my listening skills, my communication skills. I'm developing my ability to have compassion. Like I practice that every day. Yes. So that I'll do my best and I'll be able to do my best again. Yes. You know, there's a question of priorities of like values and needs. And I think human connection needs to be the top, in my opinion, (laughs) Mm -hmm. because for equities, right, and social justice, and racial justice and all these, you know, essentially forms of love in public, mm-hmm. no matter how people are showing up, if the if we sever the connection between us as humans, then that's when the things start to fall apart. Yeah. And we stop taking care of everybody's yeah. needs. And and that's what race, the construct of, has done with is tear us apart as it's and as it was intended to do from the beginning, Boom. right? Like, and that that's the other piece that I don't know folks understand and understanding like the history of race and the construct of it and like why it was created. It's like it's created to do this. It's not created to bring like division to dehumanize, right? There's only one group of people that I think chose their race. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. White and folks. Right? Yeah, that, yeah, that's it. That's it. That, yeah. And then and choosing that. Gave everyone else, you know, racial identities, 
We didn't choose it. And then I would say in this day and age, for those of us who, like everybody that's alive now, like you weren't you weren't around in what in the 1400s, right? Where they were setting up the systems and deciding, you know, yeah. coming up with terms and everything, right? We didn't choose this either, right? We didn't choose these terms as well. But we choose them now as identifying markers because that's all that we've ever known. But we can know different mm-hmm. and we can know better. And if we choose to keep these markers for whatever reason. Like I I still identify as a black man, not because I feel I'm less than anybody, but because it, I feel like it unites me to a common struggle mm. right across the globe mm. and connects me. Like it's, it's a human connection identity for me. Mm. We can choose these identities if we want to, but as long as we're doing it out of a human connection piece and not a us first them piece. Yes. And so we, we have to go back and just understand that because words words can change the definitions yeah. can change right can, can bring in kind of the yeah. inward piece of it right like how we choose to identify can change only if the culture changes yes and that's man that's the real work yep that's what's up yeah the worth work practices is really about taking all these skills you know empathy communication mm. listening speaking and like you know there's speaking in a way where it doesn't trigger anybody's defensiveness but also is honest to what you lived Mm -hmm. the work of self-reflection right and turning them into things that you can practice consistently throughout your life so you have you start having that ability when you need it versus it's just waiting for you in a in like a strategy toolkit and you just pull it out. Yep. And yeah, and this is a word to our listeners. You're hearing us in the middle of kind of developing our worth work practices. There might be specific techniques that we are gonna share in future episodes or in, in like an interactive journal type thing, but like we're working out these practices need to like work for you. So it's like part of the practice is developing pra- finding these practices that'll work for you. And there's like a plethora of, of resources available specifically that you can try out. Like, does meditation work for me? Does more of a movement-oriented archery or going for walks or physical, you know, type of contemplations work? Journaling, there's a plethora of them. Um, and so that's part of your our journeys is to find and adapt and try on new ones like oh, it's, um, hmm. it's a, um, in flux. Yeah. And I will add to that, this whole podcast is about a, a flip and a reframe. And what's come out of this story, one of the many insights that's come out of this story for me is there is the kind of, if you're not feeling discomfort, then you may not be doing the job right. Mm-hmm. So that was the insight. Say it again. <laughs> but I'm going to say it again, but I'm, I'm going to flip it, though. Okay, okay. So the, the flip is, when I feel discomfort, it's a sign I'm doing the job right. Snaps. Because <laughs> that's, that's the worth work practice part is like the experiencing of the discomfort and then responding in a different way. Mm-hmm. And so if you practice that consistently in this Again, that's why in the freestyling, that's, you know, obviously there's plenty of ways to do this, but like you experience the discomfort of not knowing, right, what you're going to say, the fear of, you know, making a mistake in front of people, even for yourself, yeah, right? Yeah, fear of yeah, not being yeah. perfect, like all, yeah. all these kind of things come up. 
and then you do it anyway. Yes. Right. And then eventually you get past that level of the resistance that fear holds. Mm -hmm. You never fear never goes away. It's it's an emotion. It's, mm -hmm. it's it's useful actually in its right place. But you can get past that initial level of fear and then just begin to deal with what are the actual challenges of the situation. Yes. And I think that's what worth work is about is like, let's get past these, the resistance to doing the work with the reframe of like, okay, as I push against the resistance, I grow and develop as a stronger person. And now we can start dealing with the challenges of life. It's not a, it's not a utopia like, yeah, I did the worth work and everything's great. It's like, no, I did the worth work. Now I'm ready for what comes. Yes. And that's, if we're all like that as educators, as people, then we work together better. And that's that's in the intro song. Yeah. I refrain from the pain and exactly, the things that we can exactly. gain from that worth work. That is it. That is it. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think that's it for me, at least on this. No, I mean I'm gonna take the energy of this conversation into my week, into my day tomorrow. And I mean, into the like, rest of my day today, but like getting in that place of uh, not only normalizing conversations about race, but normalizing discomfort as a practice, as, as a part of this human experience. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, I know in my soul that's true, but then my mind will like to just like avoid fear, avoid discomfort at all costs. Right. You know, it's not just conditioning that, but it's like, wait, no, nah, like, okay, thanks to that part of me that kept me safe for many years that like to avoid discomfort probably kept me safe. But now it's like that old battle of keeping myself safe is over. There's a new calling to evolve. Right. And I think that's, Especially as educators, we have to, uh, you know, heed that call to evolve and share life, share humanity with our students as an, a key and integral part of being an educator. Cool. Boom. I think we, uh, I think we got that. Cue in the freestyle. <laughs> yeah. Freestyle session. All right. All right, y'all. Welcome to Keywords and Phrases Freestyle Edition. Jesse, what are our keywords for this episode? Des, our keywords, we got practice, story, culture, discomfort, dichotomy, vulnerability, reframe, courage, dehumanization, and last but not least, honesty. All right. Yeah, those are good words. Uh Honestly, feel the tremble inside mm -hmm. Honestly, I'm still here, I won't hide mm -hmm. Honestly, I gotta be me for me to even yeah. begin to feel empathy And that's crazy mm -hmm. to think I connect to my pain And that's mm -hmm. how I'm able to switch up the frame mm -hmm. To a new game You know we don't play, I am the anti-lame And this is how I burn, call it flames Yeah, no damage up, uh 
Just coming straight into ya with the words and the stories. You can feel it deep, get it in your heart. Wake up from the sleep. Okay, Des, thank you for the story that you shared from your experience. It helps us not be so delirious. It gives us the imagery so we can be a better part of humanity on oh. the tomorrow. Oh. So we uh, expand the consciousness in between the space. Up and down a tree keeps the pace Cause uh, the roots go into the soil While the branches go to the sun But still do not boil Cause uh, it's never too hot When you got the balance of the heart and thought And this is how I like to connect the dots And then give you a style that is a little bit unorthodox Through the weather when it's raining coming down from the cloud I wanna stand proud but I wanna live in the now too So here we come just trying to spit our personal truth Cause if I could shift myself I could shift the culture to a better top shelf type of perspective What I'm looking at man I ain't detective I ain't Sherlock Holmes I'm just trying to extend my definition of home You feel me? Yeah we do this practice for humanity uh, spread the love with the question Am I a human or the roles in my possession Ooh. Or my position I just gotta come through as I sift in Watch me shift in Cause uh, uh. I shift into my own zone Since I've been born I've been the genius over doubt I uh. understand what I'm about But they wanna try to get your mind clouded Like a anti-sunny day But we don't stay away I took my turn to reframe my pain And make something more beautiful Yo, I feel it, dude, down from my brain to my cuticle. Ah, oh, dude, okay, I see what you're doing, dude. I'm dancing to the beat with my language. I take the anguish. I make it from the opposite of a stranger. So that's a friend, and that's another friend that makes a family. Here we go, heal the damage in me. Yes, yes, and thank you, friends, for listening to this episode of the Worth Work Podcast. I am Desmond Spann. I'm Jesse, the Imaginer. And until next time, genius over doubt and deuces. Peace.